nerds and music geeks like me and like those of us, we're the, we're the best customers. Yep. You know, we're the ones who are actually out there spending the money on music. So it is, it is in the interest. What is the value then of that, that super fan and how do you... Well, I think it, I think it has to How change. How do you take advantage of um, it? The problem is that, and I, I say this at a lot of these conferences, and, and this is probably why I don't get invited back so much, but <laughs> the problem is that most people don't really care about music that much. And that, that is a shocking statement to make in this room, and people are all shaking their heads going, no way, but the, statistically speaking, most people don't care about it that much. And I feel like we have to shift some of our focus the, the hardcore music fans, if you look at, for example, the current subscription base for all of the subscription services in the United States and you add it up, it's low single digit millions, right? And mm -hmm. that is just sort of like a who cares size to the industry. And the only way that, that we solve this problem is by getting these music services designed in such a way that they appeal to a much broader audience. Mm. We get the sort of numbers that cable TV has or terrestrial radio or Netflix. And if we don't get there, uh, it's gonna, the, the business is going to continue to shrink. And it will be awesome for people like us, but it will also be really expensive for people like us. So I, I totally uh, am on board with, with credits, but I just want to set it in the, the right context. Here. Yeah, I, I think it's, the perspective is an important one, right? And, and definitely one that people that work in this business and think about this stuff all the time lose sight of. Uh, digital music, while it's now the majority, you'd say the majority of revenue is from recorded music is now on the digital side, right? And um, it seems like a lot of people are adopting this, but ultimately it's still quite a, a small audience and then even a smaller sort of set of, of these fans, right? So where do you apply this discovery power and how do you most effectively put it in there to, to harness? Well, look, let me, let me just be very clear. If the content providers, the labels, publishers, artists, uh, um, content deliverers that all these different services use provided this credits information. Every single service I've worked on, uh, Rhapsody, Liquid Audio, Walmart Digital Music Store, Mog, Music Unlimited, we would all be using it today, right? And the, the issue fundamentally is that that data does not exist in a canonical or accurate state right now. And uh, until it exists in a canonical accurate state, it's going to be problematic for us to deliver it in a really compelling way. I mean, you can look at what Kevin is saying. He's been working on this for 12 years and he's iterated from starting off with five pieces of data per track to 600, did you say? Yeah. 600 pieces of data. And these are all being painstakingly entered currently by fans one at a time. Now, on the one hand, that is an awesome project and it is a fantastic testament, but it is a little bit akin to food product labeling being handled by asking the people who are eating the food to go into a chemistry lab and decompose it and figure out what's actually in it instead of telling the manufacturer of the food product, label your freaking food and tell us what's in it. So as, as soon as this content exists appropriately from the labels, you'll see every service start to pump it out in ways that are going to make uh, for some compelling and new discovery mechanisms. So I want to come back to this concept of, it's a, it's a big problem, right? So I want to come back to this concept of managing stuff, if we could sit on it for a little while. And, okay. and <laughs> but like, I think to counter that a little bit, like the story of what Discogs have gathered from fans and how many contributors did you say you had? Uh, almost 140,000 Which is, contributors. for a market overall of subscribers in a low millions, you're talking about a significant percentage of that who are compelled to go in and put Provide this data the up to yeah. share with other people right. who presumably want to consume it. And I'm, I'm going to guess that the typical ratio of contributor to consumer is, you know, well under 5%, right? Like, yeah, we get over 5 million visitors in a month. Right. So... 
I don't know. Something doesn't sound like it's adding up here. We're like, so what are your thoughts about that? I, uh, um, Anu said that some people don't care about this. I agree. A lot of people out there don't care, but there are some people that do care, and that's why people come to Discogs and contribute. It, I think it shows that there is a gap there. The, the people that do care care a lot. <laughs> what, what are your feelings about his comments about a uh, comprehensive, well-organized data source for for the industry. Yeah, it, sh it should be there. Um, I, I think the success of Discogs has shown that people do care about the data and, and come to look at that and explore. Yeah, I, I, one thing I think that's important to note also, I mean, I, I think that a lot of what uh, Anu is saying is very valid. Like, I don't necessarily feel like it's the distributors or the label's sole responsibility to compile this information. But where I, where I may have a little bit of a different opinion is that the fact that, you know, when we were at lunch earlier today, Kevin was saying the, re the reason why Discogs has taken off so much is because people were asking for this information because it wasn't, it wasn't being provided. And I think that in itself speaks to the fact that not just music nerds want to know this stuff, you know. I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily. I, it's kind of hard to step outside of my music nerd body, you know. <laughs> but I will say that, um, you know, it, it just doesn't. Just from what Kevin was saying, it just doesn't seem to feel that way. And I think just because we haven't polled everybody out there, and just because the information doesn't exist on a large scale doesn't mean people aren't interested you know i just don't believe that yeah so yeah. go ahead let's take a quick question break yeah sure so thanks a lot and um you know i feel strongly that akin to the food labeling thing you know we have to be able to look in the future i see anthony bruno sitting over here michael and there's stuff happening right you know with ddex and arm and the recording academy and there's a push so let's just fast forward oh one of these <laughs> hello so let's just fast forward right to what is currently going on with the credits and the accurate entry of metadata around music and that it's going to get into the mainstream. And I think I, I like your food labeling analogy, which is we don't really know what's going to happen once that just becomes the standard, right? I mean, look what happened. Like all of a sudden, like, wow, sugar is the first ingredient. I don't want that, right? Or, you know, this has a ton of vitamin C. I do want that. So akin to my producer, my session player, blah, blah, blah. Besides this, it's the right thing to do. Right? I think it's important to think that something cool could happen once this information is available in a, in a reliable and standardized form. So we'll be like as good a music, uh, as, as well-educated music as, as skinny as we are from the, uh, <laughs> as a country. <laughs> but no, I think, it's, I think it's a really good point. So I, I wanna, based off of what Tom said, certainly the, the music services out there have asked their fans what's important to them from a feature standpoint and, and what they want to see, right? And we're saying, well, fans are demanding and digging for this information. What, do, what have you seen that are, why isn't this stuff bubbling up from a service standpoint? Well, what, what the- And what do the fans want from a- What the users of stuff? these services are interested in is effortless discovery, right? right? Uh, even if you're knowledgeable about music, there's a limited amount of like, uh, literal or metaphorical crate digging that you want to do, right? You just want your content, the content you're interested in should appear in front of you magically. And so the opportunities here are for these services to build uh, new features that are uh, helping connect the listeners with the music that they want to hear by using this type of information. So if you really like uh, the fretless bass playing on this one record and you can find all the other records where this cat's playing fretless bass, that is 
useful for you. But in order to get to that stage, we actually have to have the data, right? And it has to be presented in, in, in a way that's going to be uh, meaningful and useful. So for example, today, um, you know, just looking at the, the major labels, because it's a nice manageable number, um, one of the major labels, and I'm not going to name names, gives us one piece of additional information, and that's composer. One. Okay, nothing else. And, and we can get that in a feed, um, but if you look at the data field that we actually get from this major label, this one data field is often blank, right? Or even if it is presented, it's presented as maybe it's, well, I, I mean, I could go on and on, but the quality of the data is just not quite there yet. But there's a lot we could do with it, particularly around discovery. Go ahead. Anu, we've actually had this discussion on a listserv that we both participate on. Um, I have a small label, and I've used TuneCore, I've used BFM, I've used various aggregators. None of them allows me to provide a spreadsheet with the information. Do they provide any tools for you to provide this, input this I, information to the system? I can give them metadata, that's things like ISRC, I can give Composer, but I cannot, there's no field for musicians, there's no field for producer. And when I brought that up within this listserv, the people from the aggregator simply say, we just don't do it. So how would Rhapsody, Mog, Spotify, anybody get that metadata if the aggregator doesn't allow you to provide it? I think it's a fair question, and in my own defense, and perhaps in that of the uh, orchards now, like I mean, we I, Iota did build out these additional credits for for producer, engineer, remixer, featured artist, and whatnot. Um, and I can go ahead and provide the bridge to to the next potential follow-up question, right? So I mean, we did gather this information and put all these fields in the system. Um, let's move on to like the big chicken and egg problem here, which is that a. Uh, very few labels and artists entered that information into the fields that were provided there. And, and why would that be? Well, it's probably because there's nowhere to display it, right? It doesn't show up anywhere. So you do have this fundamental chicken and egg thing. And so Anu's point here is that I just can't get good comprehensive information from anybody. So where should this stuff start in the stream? You know, where does it come from? What's the right way to manage it? How? across this entire industry of new recordings being produced every minute and thousands of old recordings being produced in the past, how do you solve that? Well, I'd, I'd start off by saying that, uh, you know, there's some relatively useless data that I'm required to display at all the services I've worked on, like who owns the copyright for the sound recording and the publishing. Nobody cares about that except the people that own the copyright. But I have to put that on every single album page, and it's just junk information. It gets put in little tiny text and a very light gray color down at the bottom of the page in most of the services because it's not, not useful or relevant to anybody, right? Uh, the way, if you really want to see It must happen, be to somebody. It, it, to the people, people that own the copyrights. Some people get paid through that right. information. Yeah, but, well, but, there's but, something but, here, though. But that is they kind get, of, somebody cares about They that get part. paid based on that information, but there's no need to display it to the public. Now, if you really want this stuff to happen, you get the labels to start telling the services, just like they tell us with everything else, here's a bunch of data that you're required to display. The current solutions that we're seeing for this stuff are hacky garbage. Uh, you can look at the song titles for most popular songs, and what you see is apparently the song title includes the words featuring and an artist name, right? You're seeing this data munged right into the song title field, which is horribly inappropriate. It, it's what I'm saying. It, it is... Because it is, it is, there's not a field for featured artists. There, there could be. 
It is a, it is a trivial addition for the people that are doing this, but they continue to take the, the, the quick and dirty path. Right? And, and it leaves, leaves the services on the other end with no good solutions uh, for trying to work with this stuff. Okay, let me, wow, we're like uh, gonna have a really awesome Q&A session here <laughs> in a few minutes, and we're uh, about 10 minutes away from that, but let me ask you guys to hold on so I can continue to get through a couple of these core points and concepts, right? So I, I think one thing you're saying here is that there's not the right places to hold the, the data, there's not the right structure in place. The other thing is, is where does it come from um, I want to sort of ask you, Michael, from the academy standpoint, like as somebody who's working with a community of people that are indeed producing and engineering this content, probably first fixating it from, from live performance onto some type of media, and presumably at the moment of creation, are, what's, what's around that as far as opportunity goes for, yeah, for so trying the to capture this stuff? The Recording Academy has partnered with uh, BMS Chase and the Library of Congress. Uh, we've created a tool that's kind of in an I would say an alpha stage, beta stage. It's it's, it's a little bit clunky at the moment because um, we've had a number of meetings across a number of years with various of uh, committees of our boards and producers and engineers committees, trying to figure out like what is the data set because as you said, as Kevin says, there's like 600 fields that they're getting entered. I I sat in on one of these early meetings and it was a phone book size Excel sheet with you know a thousand more or more fields of, okay, what kind of amp was used and that sort of thing. Um, it's been distilled down into, a, into an actual program now that content creators, particularly mastering engineers and recording engineers, um, many of whom are members of the Recording Academy are using in their sessions, uh, it's called the CCD, um, which is designed to capture this information at the point of creation. Um, what we're now working to do is to try and streamline it and get a better user interface and make it something that can be integrated with various platforms by DAW manufacturers and that sort of thing. But that's, that side of it is, is an important, it's a hugely important part, you know, to get it to the next, to at least get the point of creation and capture it while it's being made. So, Tom, I, I, you know, I think... Music has also evolved a lot in the way it's been created. Is it harder to capture that stuff? Is the process of making music like via, you know, with stuff like the net and all new ways of collaborating harder? It is for me because I know what it was before, you know, but I think for most of the newer artists, that's just the way it is, you know. And I think for every album that I've ever made, I know that once that album is done, I have to sit there with a pen and pad and enter all the names of every... I don't have to, but I do, because chances are, that's important to me, and it's going to show up on the CD booklet, etc. So, you know, every year it gets longer and longer as, you know, the method that music is made has changed, because, you know, now you've got, like, uh, we're just... After this, I'm going to a mastering session, and just for the Latirix EP alone, you know, we have something like seven or eight engineers because all the tracks were emailed here and there, you know, yeah. for everybody to work on. Now, you could say maybe that's sort of a genre-specific thing, but I don't think so. I think most people these days are making records that way, you know. So, but but the the point is that, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, if I want to be if I want to be comprehensive and I want to list everybody that's there, that's just what I have to do, whether there was one engineer or 10, you know, yeah. and I think, but that's my option, you know, and I think for every label that I've ever recorded albums for, um, they've asked me for this info. Should I 
choose to provide it to them, you know. And so it's kind of on the artist or the producer or whoever is making the album how much or how little they want to list. But, you know, if there was some sort of standardized format that universally we all used, it's like Anu said, I don't think anybody turned that down. You know, I don't yeah. think that there's any reason why um, – a label or an aggregator or anybody or a distributor would turn that down. You know, it's just that that doesn't exist yet. You know? So like you're saying there's not a tool that the labels use to gather this information and put it into a database no. and then share it with people as no. a manufacturer. And not, not in my experience. No, <laughs> not in my experience. There might be an opportunity around that. So. <laughs> uh, Michael. So, I mean, from the Academy standpoint in this initiative, does that, what does that sound like a challenge? The, the well, oh, case that uh, sure. LB I mean, just laid out. You so. know, the more names you have to enter, the more data you have to enter, the more fields it gets more and more complicated. I, I, I think, you know, working with um, providers, working with, you know, we, uh, we've had a lot of conversations. Maureen Droney, who's the executive director of, uh, of, the, um, of the Producers and Engineers Wing, has had a lot of meetings with manufacturers and has um, gone to NARM and various groups to try and deal with standards um and i know you probably can speak about ddex better than i possibly could but um but yeah like, let's move on to i was trying to sort of steer this towards the ddex ultimately i mean there and you can maybe talk about other standards if there are any but like how does this fit into that world of standards building that we've been doing a lot of the last decade one uh, audio engineer i used to work with said uh frequently that the thing he loved about standards were that there were so many to choose from. <laughs> um, so DDEX is another big initiative that's been working on for, mm, I don't know, uh, five or ten years at this point to actually create comprehensive standard 21st century metadata for all digital content. And uh, it has gotten out of the lofty conceptual stage and is moving now towards the very early stages of implementation. And it's very promising. Uh, but it's complicated. and. Uh, even if we get this resolved, regardless of which standard we pick, I don't really care. Like currently all the labels deliver all their content in all kinds of crazy different formats. And the services have to do a lot of work to kind of standardize it and slot it together. So I don't even really care if there's one standard or five standards. I just want to get the data in. Yeah. And there's, there's kind of two big problems as I see it. Um, the easy problem is kind of from here on out. It'd be trivial, relatively trivial for IOTA or any of the other major labels to say, hey, from this point forward, all of our new releases include all these data fields, our artists are required to fill them out or maybe not fill them out, but we're gonna deliver them anyway, right? That's, relatively speaking, that's a piece of cake. The problem is, today there's something like 20 million tracks already out there, 20 million unique tracks that don't have any of this information. And it is not uh, gonna be cost effective for any of these labels to go back and enter that information. Uh, if, if, if they don't do it, you don't have a guaranteed canonical accurate source. Mm. Um, I'd also note that historically, the people that are providing this data don't really have, at least today, the highest standards for quality of delivery. If you look at digital album release dates, this is a fairly non-controversial piece of information. There's actually three release dates I'd like to get for every piece of content I have in one of my services. I'd like to know the date that the album was originally recorded, like 1967. I'd like to know the date that this particular version of the album came out, like the 30th anniversary version that came out in 1997. And I need to know the street date that I'm allowed to put it in my service. Most of the labels I work with give me one date, and that's the street date. And that's part of why you see something like who's next in one of these services with a release date of 2007. Mm -hmm. And that's messed up. 
That's the only information I get. So what happens is uh, I have to go back and do extra work on my side to go and correct the, the most egregious of these errors, whether it's the wrong album cover or typos in the uh, album name or munging out all of the deluxe expanded remastered stuff that's jammed into the album or track title. And I'll do that because I want to give a quality experience to the people that are using the services. But it's, in some sense, wasted effort because none of the other services get to take advantage of it. The label doesn't get to take advantage of it. You know, we're dealing with that mountain of old music is the real problem. And uh, moving forward, uh, I think it's, it's going to be really easy to solve. Any, any standard is fine. Just give me the data. I'll do some cool stuff with it. So, Kevin, you must have something to say about this, right? Yeah, I mean, we, we, have, we have a lot of that old information. Um, I'm going to be looking into DDEX more, and our data is free, and um, we, we give our data back to the community. It's, um, we're modeled off of an open source project, so, and our data is available in monthly downloads and through our API, and I lost where I was going with that. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I think that, well, I don't know. You know, clearly there's a bunch of challenges between getting from here to the there that you just described, right? I think one of the important things here to think about is it's, it's, it's quite a big sort of challenging problem. The other thing is that it's easy to, to point fingers at various sort of places in the ecosystem and, and, and you know, try to find why this isn't working, right? The DSPs have a role in here, but the, and the labels have a role in here, but the artists themselves, and I think the engineers and producers themselves yeah, I have a have a have a part to play in all this. Um, yeah, I think that maybe now is a good time for us to like let the free for all begin and try and cover <laughs> some of these topics out there. So, go ahead. Uh, yeah, let's start next to Michael. Sorry. I'm talking as an artist, uh, wear my artist hat, and I'm a member of the academy. Okay, how about uh, moving forward? How about if artists and publishers put in our copyright all this information moving forward and that it, by law it needs to be there, it's available there and some type of meta link from our copyright. I think, okay, maybe I don't know everything that's going on here, but you know, you have descriptions for, for uh, equipment you buy for that, a description list of everything that's in there. And you know, we're, we have a product and I think that we need to protect ourselves, too. And we should have, and should, and by law, this is our copyrights, and um, and somehow work work yeah, with yeah. the artists too. So we, you know, we deserve a place at the table. Too. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, I think it's okay. like you're saying: should there be is it carrot or stick with regard to this? Right? Like, do you force people to put this stuff on here, Michael? I know you've got some well, thoughts or, about this. Work together and with the link or whatever and make some meta tags available through our copyrights and work with these great guys here. You know, they're doing stuff too. I mean, it's, it's but, but artists need to stand up for themselves. And I get so sick of even like seeing, sorry, seeing uh, you know, like TV shows and stuff where it says, God bless you if you're a music supervisor. <laughs> Nothing about an artist. And so like what I do now is I write that who write, wrote the music, who played the instrument in our contract, then it has to be when if people are going to 
use it, they have to put it out there. Do you want to talk about that, Michael? I mean, A, is uh, contractual obligations to publish or provide information and maybe incentives on for artists to make sure that it's all input? Yeah, well, I mean, as far as incentives go, one of the incentives to put all this information there is that if you want to get paid um, from some for an organization like Sound Exchange, it's very helpful to have all your credits in order and have your, your credits listed and that sort of thing. And whether you performed on a project and someone else produced it, you double check the credits to make sure it's on there. Um, those, those are the sorts of things that, that are really, you know, it is incumbent upon the artist or the producer, um, you know, or the rights holder to do that. Um, you know, I know from, from my personal perspective and I know from the academy, we would love to see it as a, as a mandatory field in, in aggregators, you know, to, to require this, that you can't go a step further until you know you can't hit this release the record button until you've filled out who produced the track or be eligible for a grammy perhaps well then there's that so <laughs> that that thanks thanks for putting me on that sorry buddy that, yeah <laughs> yeah so so that's that's another side of it we have to be able to verify this information and so if you don't have that entered in somewhere on the credits then you know if your work gets entered for a grammy and should be nominated only the people who are listed on the recording in that particular role are the ones who are eligible to receive the Grammy Award. So if you don't put your name on the credits, then you don't get your Grammy. So that's kind of, that's another side of this, so. All right, let me get Bill. Hey, so I'm Bill Wilson and I run digitalmusic.org, which is a part of NARM, which people have been talking about today. We're the National Association of Recording Merchandisers. We represent all the digital services and startups in their relationships with a lot of the uh, content companies and Maureen Droney uh, is actually co-chair of what used to be called our archival and contextual metadata work group but that didn't really roll off the tongue um, so we are starting to call it digital asset management um, a couple of things number one is that it's not really a boolean thing when it comes to people who care about this stuff and when it doesn't um, 20 percent you know it's kind of the 80 20 rule where we have the super fans who make up a broad swath of people who provide a lot of value in the music economy. Um, and we just did a study on that with Nielsen, uh, surveyed about 3,000 people, so that's available. Um, but there's a lot of gray when it comes down to people who care about music, but they don't necessarily care about, um, they don't necessarily care about buying it or acquiring it or the context. Um, so with respect to the issue that's at hand at this point is that um, there has to be a certain viable set of commercially viable contextual metadata information that's delivered to the customers. Um, there are business cases surrounding the value of that, um, and we have to prove that. There's also a little bit of, you know, artists like to write songs they like to perform. They don't like to figure out how their information is going to be syndicated out to a multiplicity of digital services. So I don't have agree to, with that. We have I to incentivize them. <laughs> but how do you incentivize them? You incentivize them by actually talking about the things they care about. One is make sure your name is right, right? When, when, you're, when your information is displayed, make sure it's right because you want the proper credit. And number two oh, yeah. is, and, and, but, and, and, number two, but not, and number two, show that it's important for people to get involved. And you as a high level producer may want that, but there's a lot of indies who just I mean, I, I that. Can, they don't have the bandwidth to I dedicate to I can tell you issue. what I want. I mean, I think, I think basically, I, I, if you want the argument to be made in, on behalf of the artist, I think that, you know, we, of course we care about our credits. Of course, we, everybody wants their name spelled right. I mean, I don't think that's what's an issue. And I think everybody here agrees 
the whole, I mean, the reason why this whole panel exists is because I think everybody agrees that they want their that that the cre having the credits included is important. But I think what we would like to see is a system that um, enables everybody to connect the dots and get paid on a certain level, you know. And is it, the the benefit, as Mike was saying, is that. You know, it, it enables artists other opportunities. Everybody you know? is equally invested in wanting this to happen. The digital services want to sell more products. As we convert to an attention economy versus a download economy, we're going to need to hold people's attention. So you look at things like the Blue Note app, um, which is all contextual information that really holds people's attention on Spotify right now. Even when you look at the billboard charts uh, on Spotify right now, this is the type of information that the superfan wants and will keep them engaged um, ongoing. Uh, in things. So it's in everybody's best interest to discuss these issues and figure out the best way to rally around common standards, best practices, and reduce the friction in trying to do this. And that's what we're trying to do in our now newly entitled digital asset management group instead of archival and contextual metadata. Um, so I'd love to chat with everybody about this because this is near and dear to all the services that we represent. It's near and dear to the artists, and it's a problem that is only going to get deeper and more problematic as we move forward in the business. So thank you for letting me bogart your time. Thanks, I just, bro. I do feel though, if- Pedro, do you want to pick? <laughs> Maybe you can keep track of who's had their arms up longest, thanks. I do feel though that if artists had the, the tools, you know, to be able to do this, like in my experience, I've had to do that on my own. You know, the label has asked me, even if they didn't ask me, I would provide the information, you know? Yeah, yeah and so, yeah, as, as a producer too, like, I mean, it's, it's something that, if you don't have the reminder of, oh yeah, I, there was somebody that played this instrument on there, or oh yeah, we like having a tool like that is going to be really helpful. Hey Kevin, is there any special ramp for artists to put their own stuff for, you know, a label or a content owner to say, here's my authoritative stuff proactively? In in my experience, it's mostly the collectors who enter the recordings. Um, artists. Um, mainly want to have it in there and look for a way to promote it from, from what I've seen. Uh, like I said, for us, it's, it's all collectors and music nerds who are contributing this information. Uh, they can. You can put it in just like a collector, but speaking as an artist who's tried to input his own discography <laughs> to Discogs, Sorry. Um, you can't really do that right now. Robert's next. Why does nobody have an online interface with which we can enter all the data? You mean a public source interface? Could be public, could be private, whatever. Well, I mean, I mean, Oda did, like, and I think the Orchard does, but I'm not sure that those are both perfect. Like, like I don't think we know what a perfect like solution is. So we're, we're filling in the gaps. You're asking for at the top of the chain. How do, yeah, how do we get I'm, this information? And I'm not blaming, I'm just, it's. Yeah, maybe Rob from MetaBrains has something to say about that. So. Yeah, hi. So it's Rob from Music Brains. And, Sorry, I uh, met Music Brains. Yeah, you know, we operate a service very similar to uh, Discogs. Um, you know, all it's an open source software. Uh, and the answer to you in front of me here is that we do have this public interface, and you can enter the data. And I would like to take your ISRC data and everything else. And um, I also wanted to offer a cautionary note to making fields in the database mandatory. Because if you make fields in a database mandatory and somebody doesn't feel like filling it out, guess what you get? You get garbage, you no get a data. whole ton of it. So <laughs> oh. the, the, the ideas of submitting this information with copyright information is, is a very superficial idea that may not quite work out as well as you'd hoped.
So, so how do we get things like music brains and discogs and all of these other systems to sync up? <laughs> you haven't been do here for the whole panel, to. have you? Sorry, I apologize. <laughs> do, do you? Do you even walks have in to? like he owns the place or something? <laughs> Let's go back. I mean, anybody else want to comment on the current state of standards and and sort of commonality here? Well, the, the one particular? thing I would just simply toss out there also is that if you look at the movie industry, they they have managed to deal with this, um, and they have managed to deal with it for a lot longer than we've even been thinking about it. So it's not like it is an insurmountable problem. It's a difficult problem, but it's mostly difficult because of the inertia uh, that surrounds it today. Uh, sure, I'd mostly just want to say that there are some answers that only the producers of the information can provide. Uh, for example, you might know that your artist's name is Truth, but on Discogs there's 23 Truths. Uh, if I want to listen to Truth Radio, knowing that the artist's name is Truth is pretty much worthless. And so unless there's a system from the source where we can um, uh, attach actual unique identifiers, we can only get data that's so clean and the only people who can provide a unique identifier for the artists and art that labels. Yeah, and that, that is being worked on. There is, a, there is a group that's working on a global ID database. Um, it's, you know, it's, I, I'm not quite sure how far along they are, but the idea is to create a single source where someone with a stage name and a real name and lots of different names could have a unique identifier. Um, it is another part of this problem. I know that, that you know, a lot of the services that, that deal in this sort of information are working on how to, how to basically make sure that that person is that person and there aren't, you know, because Alan Smithy, for instance, in the movie business has 5,000 credits from the, from the <laughs> 50s and 60s. So similar issue happens with music. So. That guy from over there. <laughs> right. So um, I'm Carlos from QNotes. I just wanted to mention this. I know this is a very hairy problem, uh, in particular because my team and I have spent the last year trying to solve it, and we have. And in one way, there's lots of solutions perhaps, but we're launching an app in about three weeks called QNotes. And uh, you know, it's, it's a big portion of it is crowdsourcing, which has to be, I think, the way you do this. But we have verified artists. We'll be launching with several big artists in the US. We're already launched in Australia and New Zealand. And it's essentially solving all of this problem. And I encourage anybody who's interested to come talk to me or come look at our, look at our site and download the app when it comes out. All right, let's move it forward here a little bit. We've got a lot of ideas. We've got a lot of people who are behind the same concept. Are we all on the same page about this? Okay, we want it to happen. Now there's a lot of different ways to get it done. Some of them are gonna be proprietary. Some of them may be open source, and some of them may be complete, but until there's a single interchange standard for everybody to talk to each other, this is just gonna happen over and over again. We're gonna get another grace note, formerly CD, uh, what is it, what was it, CDDB? CD we're gonna get the same thing happen again where it's crowdsourced. <laughs> and I love the crowdsource, but until we have a standard for all of us to interchange the data, it's not gonna go forward. So let's name some names. We have the DDEX standard, which is popular. The DDEX standard is moving forward. Uh, what can we do as different stakeholders and fans to move it forward? Who do we rally behind to make the standard so that we can all achieve what we all want? Anybody who's actively involved in DDEX right now wanna to speak to how the standard solves a problem? Carry Bill. Yeah, so, um, sorry. Um, so, I mean, there's stuff, oh, thank you. 
Sorry, the microphone trick again. So, you know, we're in a weird state right now. We're in a transitional state, and I definitely don't mean to claim myself as an expert, but just a serious advocate and, and involved. So, so the BMS Chase Project, which is Library of Congress, which is creating a lot of back catalog and archiving that, they had the CD, CCD Info app, which is now being reworked and hopefully going to be something that's actually usable and well integrated. Part of it is they, there's just a process, and so they're moving that standard, an XML standard, into not exactly public domain, but sort of locked down and accessible. So that's going to be available soon, whatever that means, I don't know. But it's going to be available. I personally have a relationship also with Digi and Avid, so I'm helping to bridge the gap at least with that DAW manufacturer to, again, using this standardized XML schema for this data set uh, to integrate that in digital audio workstation technology so you get a clean capture early on in the process. I think crowdsourcing is also a thing. I think anybody know what a 1176 compressor is? Well, I think we have to use the, because you posed the chicken and the egg problem, I think we have to call, we have to go to the third option, which is all buttons in. You got to push all the buttons in, and we have to have education, we have to have awareness, we have to create demand on the user side, we have to create awareness for producers and artists. I know in Sony Nashville, people don't get paid until they put that metadata in there. So that's the carrot and the stick. So I just, I think it's kind of like all this awareness and conversation, but we, we do have to take it out of the ivory tower of this room. I know Recording Academy is doing a pretty good job now of creating some public awareness around this. So I think it's just kind of, we all got to continue to try and row in the same direction. And there's going to be messy and imperfect, but I do believe stuff is happening now. Keep talking about it. Let's argue or let's discuss. And we'll move this forward because I think ultimately my six-year-old daughter and, you know, my, my, uh, mother-in-law can all benefit from better metadata and so anyway that's my thing all right thanks that might be the nerdiest metaphor I've heard yet okay. <laughs> quick question for the panel um, I uh, myself and a lot of my friends we watch movies and as far as I know there's really one source internet movie database we sit there on our iPads and it's really focused on the consumer. I'm not buying these movies, I'm watching them, and I go through the credits, the actors, everything, and it seems like a single source that would be consumer-friendly, similar to that, would make sense. So whether people were buying or downloading or whatever, they'd have one source, and I know we've got a number of people that provide that, but do you see that as a solution so that well, credits are out in the out in the field and being yeah, viewed and by that people? Yeah, that is with a company called Rovi that that runs IMDb, and they also run a site called AllMusic.com, which is similarly um, focused. Um, people in the movie movie industry will tell you that that data is also Amazon. I'm sorry. Yeah, they the the folks that run IMDb originally crowdsourced that data, and that um, yeah. Thanks for the correction, by the way. Um, but that that data has actually got a lot of inaccuracy in it too because it was originally crowdsourced and wasn't necessarily cross-checked and that sort of thing. And um, all music has this information, has some of it. It's also got, you know, most much of it's accurate, much of it's incomplete. You'll find that there's a number of services out there that have this information and would like to be that source. But again, you know, you just run into the issue of the archival historical data. How do you, how do you find a way to to bring it all together into an aggregated source with all the buttons in, so to speak. So I wanted to uh, address this gentleman's point about uh, DDEX and it coming together and all those sorts of things. I worked on the MI3P project back in 2002, and it actually um, evolved into DDEX. So at that time, we were in a room with all the major record labels, all the publishing societies, all the digital service providers, including business models like kiosks, 
and things that you wouldn't even be aware of as far as like what you would need for a, a business case. They've been working on this for 10 years. And as Anu said, it's complicated. It's not just complicated, it's fucking complicated. And what we need to do is provide an interface. There, there's like a, a niche that would exist where the average con, um, label owner or artist could actually use a tool that could actually in, uh, ingest that metadata and it could be published in a way that's meaningful to service providers. But this has been ongoing. This isn't something that's been just, uh, like DDEX didn't just arise out of thin air. It's been going on for 10 years. So this is a problem we're working on and it's ongoing. So you know, this is something they're gonna solve and I think the metadata is important past just features. I think it, it helps with um, music discovery. It helps with recommendations. And if we can, if we can pr provide value for the consumers and show the artists that if you put in similar artists, if you put in uh, pr uh, producers, you're gonna get something back because your content's gonna be discovered more often in services. Maybe I should rephrase my question then. What has been the hurdle to this in the past? Because we've all tried to make it happen. So what has kept it from happening? Has it been has it been proprietary uh, uh, ownership of data that's prevented this, a standard from evolving? What has held a standard up? I, I think it's more that people Who have just been focused on other problems. Yeah, priorities, uh, I would agree. You know, it's, it's, it's really a question of priorities. I mean, for me, the solution is pretty straightforward. If you're an artist or a content creator, make sure that you are compiling all this information and verifying that it's accurate and handing it off to your publisher, your label, and your distributor. If you are a label or a publisher or a distributor, make sure that the artists are providing this information, check it and make sure it's accurate, and then pass it along to the retailers. It's, it's really that simple. And if, if this is a priority for um, the artist and the people who are distributing the content, it's clearly going to be a priority for the retailer. But the way I sort of look at it is, if the artist and the content owner or funder doesn't make this enough of a priority to actually collect the data and hand it to me, why should it be enough of a priority for me that I have to invest resources that I could spend on other discovery features to build my own proprietary uh, tiny little database uh, for this stuff after the fact? It just yeah. doesn't make sense. I largely agree, and I don't think it's any one party needing to make it a priority. It's about the, uh, you said it yourself in the question, it's about evolving. It's about the evolution of the industry. And it's a huge change, a huge transformation we're in. And it's actually really sh short down the, the long walk that, you know, a short distance that we've come so far. And, and I do think we'll get there. But at the same time, you've got to have market pressure on all different sides to make this stuff happen. I'm not the mic holder anymore, Bill. <laughs> Okay, we've only got a couple minutes left. <laughs> All right, so Damien, go ahead. Yeah, my name is Damien Lewis. I'm a governor of the San Francisco chapter of the Recording Academy and uh, also the chairman of the Producers and Engineers Wing. So I just want to give you guys, this is more of a comment, but a quick antidote. Uh, I've mixed and engineered records for every single major label. So as a youngster coming up, um, I noticed I was working on a really big record and I wasn't credited at all. So I called up the executive director at A&R at this label, which I won't mention here, and I said, hey guys, uh, how come uh, you know, I don't exist here? And she simply told me, well, we don't credit assistance. So that's just my comment on the state of the union and how we need reform right now. When you have someone who's the gatekeeper right now at the very top, just simply say, no, I'm sorry, we don't credit you. You don't exist. Even though you worked on this, you worked 70 hours a week on this, but you're not getting credit. So. 
we need reform basically from the top to the bottom. Yeah, so. well, there's, there's also issues around right. contentious credits, right? I mean, there are plenty of records that get started by one person and finished by another. And the official position of the label is, well, so-and-so produced this record and this other person didn't. How do you deal with that? Yeah. I mean, th these are non-trivial things. And uh, Hollywood and the movie industry in the United States has a whole set of rules built up around the guild about how you handle these things. Music industry doesn't have that. All right, maybe that's a good note to wrap it up. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, and thanks for your support in solving this problem and actually making some stuff happen in the market. All right.